Ladies and gentlemen and everything in between, welcome, welcome. Uh, if it's your first time joining me for one of these for this, this Aid Thompson and other disappointments thing, uh, this podcast, uh, you're very welcome. Pull up a pew, crack yourself open a beer, pour out a glass of wine. It's the end of the week. It's Friday night. It's half past seven uh, for you. It is. For me, it's not so much. Um, it's lunchtime for me. I'm recording this on my lunch break, guys. Um, such is the challenge of childcare these days. Uh, I've got to pre-record this one to put it out later, which is a shame because I really I'm enjoying doing the live shows, the live streams, getting a bit of a chat, you know, the live chat stuff on, on YouTube. It's all it's good fun. I'm enjoying interacting with the community, as it were especially the Patreon backers and the YouTube community members. Um, however, I unfortunately, I've I'd, I'd sort of agreed to give my girlfriend a night off. Which was uh, silly in hindsight, you know. Do you mind if I go out for dinner with my mates? Do you mind if, if me and the girls go out for dinner on Friday, the whatever it is? Oh, yeah, no, don't worry. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm always up in London, like, every Thursday, working. That's sort of my break from all of this. So, yeah, absolutely, off you go. So, yeah, she's off out with the girls tonight. And so I am here pre-recording uh, for you guys. What's going on out there in the formerly Great Britain? Shall we have a look? Shall we, shall we do an old sort of, you know, like old school uh, roast, ridicule, put the world to rights, all of that stuff? Um, big story today, or certainly last night, was that Joe Biden is beginning to uh, falter. Uh, there's a lot of conversations bubbling up now about the possibility that the Democrats might remove Joe Biden from not the presidency. Like, I don't think he's going to get kicked out of the White House. But because we're in an election year, you know, there's a lot of talk about is this the guy? who we're putting up front and centre to go up against Donald Trump. Is this the best we can do, guys? Is Joe Biden our hero? You know, cometh the hour, cometh the man. Is this as good as it gets in terms of selecting a candidate that could beat Donald Trump? Um, and I did a TikTok on this this morning. You know, he's sort of getting into that like arena now where he's like the great granddad at the family barbecue, you know? He's lost his marbles a bit. He can't really remember everyone's names. He thinks that the people that he does recognise, he thinks that they are people that died, like, 30 years ago. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's not funny, but it's like, you know, here we are in the most precarious of geopolitical situations where we're having to reckon with the very real possibility that Donald Trump may not just re-enter the White House, but construct a presidency for himself where he doesn't ever leave the White House. You know, I know that sounds hysterical. I know it sounds a bit batshit, but honestly, there's a very real fear across not just like turbo lefties, hysterical types like myself, but a lot of political commentators are like, you know, there's talk that he might try to extend the presidency beyond the maximum of two terms. He might try to pass an enabling act. He's already talking about constructing camps to put people in. It'll start with immigrants and then it'll expand out across the sort of political dissident and lefty journalist worlds. Although, you know, I think I said on an episode of the podcast before, um... I mean, he was in office for four years before and he couldn't even build one wall. So <laughs> I don't know if we should be too scared that he says he's going to build a network of concentration camps, basically. He's like, this is happening. You should take this very seriously. We're going to do this on day one. <laughs> it's like, didn't you say this last time about that one, one wall? That was, I mean, baby steps, Donnie. Set yourself achievable targets, achievable goals. Which are perhaps not the most famous kind of attribute of sociopaths. You know, they like um, weird and wonderful. You know, it's going to be the biggest. It's going to be the, and I'm the best in the whole world. And so, you know, 
um, getting him to temper that aspiration may be easier than it sounds. Uh, so anyway, yes, the big story last night that bubbled up was uh, was Joe Biden um, has sort of effectively dug himself out of a hole by the prosecutor saying, well, he's a doddery old man. He's a forgetful old old bastard like he did like we couldn't prosecute him because no jury would convict a guy in his mental condition is basically what they're saying but now he's having to although he's you know that's got him out of a hole he's now having to reconcile with the fact that this is a legal institution saying that the president of the united states is not sufficiently cognitively able <laughs> For them to prosecute. So how on earth can he continue to be president? And even if you accept that he should kind of sit in office, ride this term out. I don't know how anyone can really accept or, you know, much less celebrate the possibility of another four years of Joe Biden. If this is what he's like at the end of this presidency, what is he going to be like even like a year or two years into the next one. It's going to be like, Mr. President, uh, we've, we've just been bombed by Iran. It's not, it's never Iran with the Americans. It's Iran, Iraq. Um, Mr. President, we've just been bombed by Iran. They've bombed one of our military cruisers going through the Strait of Hormuz, or whatever that place is called. <laughs> Showcasing my complete geopolitical ignorance here. We've just been bombed, Mr. President, through a military cruiser. We've we've got to respond. What, what do you want to do? Um, I I I want to go get ice cream. <laughs> we like is that what it's going to be like? Like we're just going to entertain the possibility of a cognitively challenged, degenerative, regressive figure in the White House. I mean, what's going to happen if like if if. A mentally unwell, degenerated president like Joe Biden, if he just decides one day that it's 35 years ago and it's the middle of the Cold War and Gorbachev has just fired it. Do you know what I mean? Like, is there a realistic possibility here that the same guy who thinks that world leaders are the world leaders who were around like 35 years ago and who have since died. And he refers to these people as though it's that like he's living, he's trapped, he's time boxed in a United States of America that existed and died 30 or 40 years ago. Is there a possibility that he could degenerate further and then push his butt finger on the button? Do you know what I mean? It's like for most of us, when our parents get to a certain age, when they develop certain symptoms, you know, the worst that it ever gets is that they, you know, we worry that they might toddle off down the shops and forget where they are. And they're a bit confused and somebody might lead them astray or they might just wander out into the middle of a road wearing nothing. <laughs> Which sounds funny, guys, but I can promise you it's a very serious business when your parents begin to slide into the realms of dementia and Alzheimer's and all that. But for most of us, the most serious that it ever gets is like, how much is the fucking care home going to cost? And has she taken off all of her clothes again and wandered down the hallway? Like that, that's, these are manageable problems, mostly. But what is the entire Western world supposed to do when Joe Biden puts down his Rubik's Cube, stops eating the soup for that morning or whatever and pushes the fucking button <laughs> like we need like I don't, I don't want to see a democratic president kicked out of the white house any more than you guys do you know we're all fairly comfortably left of center on this show but i do think you know over the last few days what we've seen is joe biden stutter and stammer his way through two different press conferences. And it's not the first couple of times this has happened. We've seen him refer to presidents and prime ministers by the names of people who died like 30 odd years ago. We've seen what else has he done now? Now the evidence from this court thing, this prosecution has come out saying like he doesn't remember this. He had no recollection of that. And I know like maybe there's a possibility here that this is a defense tactic 
tactic on his part. Like they've just said to him, they've briefed him, his lawyers, his dream team. I've just been like, listen, uh, Mr. President, uh, you stole the documents. You didn't want to hand them over. Uh, probably the best approach that you could uh, muster is just, just go in there and say, look, you're 80 years old. You're, sometimes you struggle to remember things you don't entirely recollect. It's like Rishi Sunak in the COVID inquiry, you know? I, I, I don't recall, I'm afraid. You know? Do you remember saying, ha, 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 let's just dish out 100 billion on furlough and let the plebs pick up the tab with their taxes next year. Do you remember saying that? La I mean, there's literally laughing emojis there, Rishi. I, d I don't, um, don't have any recollection of that whatsoever, though. Oh, right. Okay, great. Um, I mean, he did. I, I don't think he, he said that. But uh, I'm just saying, in terms of a defensive tactic, I don't recall appears to be fairly legitimate. If the COVID inquiry... And various members of the Trump's family, uh, the Trump family, uh, appearing at his myriad of legal entanglements. If all of these are to be observed and to be believed, then saying that you don't remember something appears to be the, uh, you know, the approach du jour uh, for this sort of thing. So it's not entirely outside of the realms of possibility that Joe Biden's legal team have just said, just go in there and say, you don't really remember <laughs> It's the bit, I know that you would think that high-priced lawyers from fucking Harvard would come up with a better defense. But no, you can absolutely write the check to us uh, for $200,000 each per hour for this amazing advice that we went to law school for literally years to be able to come up with this stuff. Just say you don't remember. <laughs> That's it. And then you, that, that's it. That's all it takes. It'll all go away. So it's possible that it is that, I suppose. But it's not looking good, man. It's not looking good at all. A lot of the conversation now has changed to who would take over from Biden. It's interesting, isn't it? It's a sort of complementary, um, paradoxical reflection, if you like, of what's going on over here with Rishi Sunak, you know, he's dead in the polls. 20 points down, 24 points down, I think, was the Times' poll this morning. Nothing is shifting that dial for Rishi, <laughs> is it? He's tried the marble statues. He's tried uh, increasing the jail term if you even climb a Winston Churchill statue. He's tried culture war stuff. He's tried the trans debate. Literally nothing is winning people over. He's tried everything except for actually trying to govern. Like, imagine if he actually came out of number 10 and he was like, look, I hear you. I hear you guys. I know. I'm sorry I got a bit distracted with my own distractions. <laughs> but I've decided actually a big thing for you guys, I'm hearing you now, is childcare. I'm So I'm creating the new great British wartime effort to free up the parents of the United Kingdom and get you all back to work to achieve that growth. And your mental health will be better and it will boom the entire childcare industry. And all of the stats and studies say that this would generate a further 13 billion to the economy, guys. Net gain. I've listened to you all and have decided I'm going to do this free childcare for everyone. But he just can't bring himself to do that, can he? Um, even when faced with a electoral massacre, <laughs> even when somebody holds up a picture of him in a Tory bloodbath, just like, this is going to be you, unless you help people. Remember when you got elected and you said you're going to help people and honesty and integrity and transparency, but most of all, helping people, being elected to serve and assist and support people and improve society. Remember all of that? Well, this is going to be you if you don't even attempt or even pretend to attempt to fix some of the problems that you guys have created. I mean, we've I think we've written off that you might actually improve society in terms of where you were in 2010 when you clowns first got in. I think nobody's expecting you to get to a net gain 
after where we were at square one. But if you could just attempt or pretend to attempt, superficially be seen to be trying to fix some of the problems, not even all, not even a chunk, just a couple of the problems that you motherfuckers created, then maybe you might shift the dial a little bit, Rish. What do you say? Yeah, no, still no. No, I just can't. I mean, I don't want to be massacred at the ballot box any more than you guys do. I'm sorry, Carlton Club. I'm sorry, CCHQ. I don't want this any more than you guys do, but I just can't bring myself to help people. It's just too much for me. Anyway, what was I Oh, right, so Biden. So you got Biden, and there's this conversation around him about who might take over. Just as there is a conversation around Rishi Sunak about who might take over after them. And in the UK, it's predominantly around these sort of who can be the anti-wokist, right? You've got Kemi Badenoch, who was straight out the gate defending Rishi Sunak after he told that transphobic joke in the House of Commons earlier this week at PMQs. Straight out the gate, because that's very much her brand. She will say something like that, or she'll say something like this, and it will offend people. And when they rear up, she'll be like, oh, well, this is, you know, snowflakey, or I hate the BBC. And she very much, she's very comfortable in that culture war space, is our Kemi. So there's her, and then there's uh, Penny Mordant, I believe. Um, so those, it's mostly those two, I think. Over here, people say Grant Shapps, but I think Grant Shapps is in a marginal, so hugely likely that he'll just be ejected <laughs> back into the world of digital marketing before you can say Michael Green and Sebastian. Oh, I can't remember the other pseudonym that he used now. Um, anyway, so that's the conversation around the Tories. Over in the US, it's a little bit more like, I was going to say complicated. It's not really that complicated, but... They have Kamala Harris, who is the vice president. A lot of talk about her just kind of stepping up and taking over. There is just one problem with that, though, which is that Kamala Harris is not particularly popular. I don't really know why. I don't know what the what the context is around that. Like, why is Kamala Harris so unpopular? Because I remember when she became VP. A lot of people were like, yes, OK, cool. Female vice president. Joe Biden's not going to be around forever. And at that point, when he does step down, she'll be there to, you know, take that Democratic first female president kind of thing. And, it, you know, it felt kind of exciting. Um, but for one reason or another, she doesn't appear to have um, leveraged off that popularity or or managed to expand from it or on it. Uh, so Kamala Harris is not particularly popular, guys. There is another name in the mix, though. This guy, Gavin Newsom. Don't know if you're familiar with him. Gavin Newsom is a California guy. And he actually kind of fits the bill. He looks kind of like how you would imagine or how you would have imagined a president to look like sort of 20, 30 years ago, before all of this insanity started. And what do I mean by that? I mean, I mean, he's, he's a white guy. He's a white guy, a white middle-aged man in a great suit. He's quite good looking and he's got a full head of hair and he's slim. He's like, I'll tell you what he looks like. He looks like somebody who Hollywood would cast as the president of the United States. You know, he's the archetype. Slim, good looking, white dude, full head of hair. And uh, yeah, and he's very popular, you know, in Democratic circles. He's uh, uh, he was reelected to governor of California. I think I'm going from memory here a little bit, guys. He's reelected as governor of California with basically no campaign. You know, it's just like I got this in the bag. Like, why? <laughs> why would I need to raise money and spend it on leaflets and adverts on TV and big expensive gala events and all that stuff? I've got this is mine. This is what I do, you know. 
ought to have that confidence. You could bottle that up, couldn't you? That sort of confidence and sell it across the open mic circuit. It would be, you'd be a millionaire. Anyway. Yeah, so to my mind, it's this Gavin Newsom guy is a shoo-in. And if you read up on him a little bit, as I did, uh, the support that he's got from senior Democrats is actually quite startling. Like people are saying the f like the possibility that this guy will go for the presidency is like it's inevitable that it will happen. It's just going to happen. It is his. And really, this is just a conversation now about how they move the chess pieces around to allow this guy a shot at the presidency in a way that is not cruel or not compassionate or not marketable, more importantly, to the American electorate. Like, you just got to do it delicately and then get Newsom in there. That's it, you know, which is really frustrating for people like me because it's like, look, I, I, I'm supportive of Joe Biden. And I think anyone who lives in a Western liberal democracy and has done for the, like the last four years should be hugely grateful to Joe Biden. He's done some great stuff. He's been a stabilizing force throughout democracies, throughout the world. You know, he's improved the American economy. He's navigated through that. He's done deals that people didn't think that he could do. I think Joe Biden's done some great stuff, by all accounts. But I also think if you're giving press conferences where you sort of lose your train of thought, if you're calling presidents and prime ministers the wrong names from people who died like decades ago, if there's court documentation where lawyers are saying that you're doddery and forgetful, even if that's not true, you have to understand that you've just gift-wrapped an attack to the Republicans, a stick that they could just beat you with and go, ah, look, see, we told you he was forgetful. We told you that he's losing it. So even if, I don't know what I'm saying here, is like, to my mind, I feel like everyone should just give Joe Biden a round of applause and be really, really grateful to him. But also, come on, bro, it's time to exit stage left and let this other guy get up there. Anyway, uh, what else is going on? Let's let's move the subject on, shall we? A little bit, and then we'll get on to this week's Tap Dancing Tosser Award. Who's excited about that? That's coming up. Um, what else is happening out there? I don't know. Like, I, I will just quickly say this about Joe Biden. Like, I don't think it's necessarily fair to criticise him for being doddery. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying, actually, the responsibility for all of this goes on to the Democratic Party. And to some extent with the Republican Party, because their candidate is old. Also, Trump is like 76, isn't he? He's only four years younger than Biden. And I think when you get these sort of older candidates, when you are the Democratic Party and you push an 80 year old up for election and then he's a bit doddery, he's a bit sort of forgetful, even if he refuses to stand down, that could easily also be a sort of stubbornness, a symptom of the dementia is like denial. It's like, no, no, I'm not. I'm not doddery. I'm not. Just leave me alone. You know, we've all heard stories like that where you try to get your mum or dad into a home because you've noticed the decline. And they're like, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, they rear up, right? They're defensive. They dismiss the concern. So actually, the responsibility for this, all of this goes on the Democratic Party. You know, you shouldn't put 80 year olds up for re-election. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? It's like... Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't put a seven-year-old in charge of a car wash, would you? And then, like, you know, he invites all of his friends down. They're all playing in the car wash, and they get tangled up in, like, the big roll of things. One of them fucking dies. You're like, oh, it's, it was his fault, the seven-year-old, because <laughs> he managed it all right. No, it's your fault for putting somebody age-inappropriate in a position of responsibility that doesn't reflect their age. Christ. Anyway, now now we will move on, guys. Gonna give myself a heart attack here. Maybe I'm maybe it's like my body is age inappropriate to be able to get like this read up about politics. Um so what else what else is going on out there, people? So another big story that um that popped up yesterday was Nick Candy, who is the husband of Holly Valance, right? Holly Valance of PopCon, Popular Conservatism Conference fame. She uh, 
blew up into the political zeitgeist earlier on this week for saying that everyone starts off as a lefty until you grow up a bit and you realise that all of their ideas are crap. Um, so she didn't win many friends from the Huffington Post and the Guardian uh, for that little outburst. I think that's, that's fair to say. Um, I did a nice little rant about that sort of reaction thing about that earlier in the week. I won't go into the whole thing again, but basically that was nuts, nuts and bolts of it. it was Holly Valance suggested that everyone starts off as a lefty until you grow up and you realize that all of the left's ideas are crap. When you try to buy a house, when you try to buy a business, then you're confronted with the idiocy of the left is basically what she's saying. And what was really interesting about that is that that was the narrative. That was the story. The big thing that everyone was jumping on on Twitter for like, what, 16 hours, if that? And yeah, then a matter of hours later, Nick Candy, her husband, releases a statement or is interviewed and it's transcribed. And it's basically him saying, yeah, no, I used to I used to really like the Tories. Um, you know, I've donated them. To them, to them for a while, but actually, I think it's time for a change. I think I'm supporting Keir Starmer's Labour now. So he just completely undermines his wife. She's like Jacob for PM. That's what she said. Jacob Reese Mogg for PM. She says Liz Truss is really interesting to listen to. You got some great ideas. The lefts, all of the lefts' ideas are crap, right? She's just Tory through and through and blue, right? Then you've got Nick Candy, her husband, property developer, billionaire, who says, I used to love the Tories. Now I support Keir Starmer's Labour. What happened in those 16 hours, guys? What happened? What's your theories, dear listeners? I think it's always oh, fascinating, isn't it? It's like, you know, either... Either they've just suddenly had a change of heart. And look, it could be that they are both politically very different. That, that is possible. That a husband and a wife share completely different political opinions. She's all about Jacob Rees-Mogg and Liz Truss, whereas he's like, yeah, I don't know. I you do what you do, all right, Holly? But I'm going to go and support Labour this time. I like the cut of their jib. That is possible. However... They were both at the PopCon conference. <laughs> She's like sat in the front row with him staring up like they're Courtney Cox staring up at Bruce Springsteen in that music video all those years ago. Just like, oh, have you seen, have you guys seen the, um, this is, this is what it's like, like the, the picture of them looking up. Have you seen the picture of the guy, uh, Jared Leto, right? Very famous actor. And singer, actually. So he also fronts a band, doesn't he? Um, I want to say 30 Seconds to Mars is his band. I might be, maybe I'm confusing them. with someone. Anyway, Jared Leto, quite a uh, angular, handsome looking guy. He was in Requiem for a Dream. And he's very into his fashion as well. And anyway, there's this, there's this photo of him at a fashion show. And he's in the front row. And he looks up at this guy walking down the catwalk who's wearing this very sort of effeminate, like long cloaky sort of looks kind of silly, like to me, but I'm not a big fashion guy. Right. And this guy walks down and the picture of Jared Leto looking up at this guy. And it's like one of absolute adulation. He's like, he looks so blown away and impressed and excited by this guy's outfit. And then, because it's like a meme that got shared around, then the next thing is like Jared Leto walking down the street wearing this exact same outfit. Like, like he's so happy with himself. He's found his look. He's so excited. Anyway, that's what Nick Candy and Holly Valance look like in the front row of the Liz Trust Jacob Rees-Mogg conference. And then miraculously, guys, as soon as she catches some flack... As soon as everyone's like, ah, ha, ha, listen to this idiot. The left's ideas are crap. Right, okay, so sh we should all work harder, should we, Holly? We should all work harder and start a business and try to buy a home like you did. Yeah? When you married your property billionaire. Is that what we should all do? Is that, 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 I mean, to be fair, that is a better idea. Like, this is what I was saying <laughs> earlier on in the week. I was like, to be fair, she is right. Because marrying a billionaire... <laughs> 
That That's a good idea. That does solve a lot of problems. That is your fastest route to social mobility. <laughs> Provably so. All the left's ideas are crap. I was like, well, we can't all marry a billionaire. Um, but anyway, uh, as soon as they get into some hot water, magically the next day, he puts out this statement. Um, so I don't believe the theory that they have separate political opinions. I think they were both front and centre at that PopCon conference. She ran her mouth a little bit. They went back to their huge gated mansion or whatever. And I think by the time they got back there, his PR guy was just like, oh, God, guys, what what have you done? What have you done? <laughs> you work in property and Holly, you've got a nice life. You're basically retired. You used to be a singer. You used to dance around. You've won the prize now with the property building. All you have to do is keep it stum. That's all you have to do. Um. So then I think the disaster recovery agent or consultant was brought in. And I think basically what happened is they were like, look, you've, you've messed up here. Uh, what we'll do tomorrow is we'll say, like, we can't say that Holly actually has uh, reflected and now she will vote Labour. That would be too obvious. That would look like a U-turn. Uh, so what we'll do is, Nick, you put out a statement. You say that you've been watching the Tories. You've listened to all sides and actually you think Labour have the best plan going forward. And then that will that'll dampen it down. You'll both be OK then. I think that is infinitely more likely than she said something and he just happened to feel differently and then just happened to put out that statement the very next day. Which is weird, like, because to me, it's really obvious. The sort of PR games, the media management, disaster recovery. It's so obvious and transparent to me that that is what happened. And it really baffles me when I see actual journalists, you know, paid commentators take it at face value, you know? When they're like, oh, only yesterday, Holly Valance said, oh, she loves the Tories and Jacob Rees-Mogg. And now today her husband has actually said, He's defected to Labour. He doesn't like the choice, so that must, that must be really, really awkward for them. I'm like, no! They've both sat around a table with PR consultants and they have agreed that this is the best way to manage that problem. <laughs> when Holly runs her mouth. This is the least reputationally damaging way to handle that, is for him to say, oh, well, she's entitled to her opinion, but also, I, you know, I really like Labour. Like... <laughs> I inexplicably like Labour after years of hanging around with Sean Bailey, funding his campaign, going to fundraisers, donating to the Conservative Party, attending things like Popcorn, having a wife that runs her mouth off about Jacob Rees-Mogg and how much she loves this. Inexplicably, I've just decided to start supporting Labour. Like, how can you not <laughs> see this what it is? I don't know, man. It's all a bit nutty. Isn't it? It's a bit crazy. Um, what else is uh, is happening right now? Oh, yes. Our third story, third and final story. And then we'll go on to uh, the Tap Dancing Tosser Award. Um, a big story this week is Tucker Carlson, the former Fox News liar. Uh, he has interviewed Vladimir Putin. Um, and this has put the cats amongst the pigeons or whatever that uh, that phrase is, because CNN and MSNBC and all those guys are just like, why, why are you interviewing a authoritarian dictator behind enemy lines sort of thing and giving him the opportunity to spread propaganda and lies and get his side of the story across? Like, isn't this sort of traitor territory? Isn't this against the interests of the American Republic? Like, what are you playing at? So that's CNN and NBC. Then you've got Fox News, who, to be fair, I haven't actually seen uh, their coverage of this yet. But bear in mind that they fired him. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be too, like, celebratory or congratulatory. So Fox News, I don't think, will like him. CNN and, M and MSNBC won't like him. Um... I don't think the Biden administration will like him doing this. You've got all the people who took issue with Tucker Carlson's content pre-leaving Fox. They won't like it either. 
Um, I don't know. Like, doesn't it feel like one of these things where, like, it's interesting. It's an interesting story about the story, if that makes sense. Like, Tucker Carlson has interviewed Vladimir Putin. That is a big thing. That is a high-profile news event to happen. And yet, nobody's rooting for it. You know, the only people who are rooting for it that I've seen are alt-right types on Twitter, Russell Brand. You know, they see it as a huge coup against the mainstream media. But the main reason that Russell Brand is against the mainstream media is because they keep pushing all this evidence against him. You know, it's easy to be against the people who are like, yeah, did you hear that this guy allegedly raped a bunch of people? Like, I'd probably be against that institutional entity also. Guys, guys, don't listen to the mainstream media. Why, why, why is that? Because they keep... um. <laughs> Getting me in legal trouble. <laughs> so, so Russell Brand doesn't like uh, the mainstream media uh, for obvious reasons. And also because I don't think they are really booking him much. I don't think the mainstream are uh, really offering Russell Brand all that much work right now. Uh, so there's that. Um, so he's cheering him on. You know, alt-right, faceless, sock puppet, avatar, lots of number accounts on Twitter are cheering it on. But, I mean, who even the fuck are they? I mean, that's basically Putin's army of weird Twitter bots. I, of course, they love it. He's paying the electricity bill. <laughs> but it's like, like, who is this for? Do you know what I mean? It's like Russell Brand is supportive of it, but we've, we've covered that. Uh, Fox News won't like it. The progressive media won't like it. Most people with brains won't like the idea of a Western journalist sitting opposite a murderous dictator and going, OK, well, let's let's hear your side of the story. <laughs> Most people will not. And yet it's a huge story and we must talk about it. We must dissect it. It's like a thing that it's, it's not for any of us. Nobody thinks it's a good thing. And yet we are all engaged. It's like a sort of, a, it's a car accident, isn't it? That we can't stop rubbernecking at as we drive past. I wonder what it's going to do for Tucker Carlson's career. Because here is a guy who was ejected from Fox News for reporting falsehoods over the truth for fear of losing viewers, right? That's what he did. That's why he was fired. Uh, now he's broadcasting seemingly exclusively on X uh, for Elon Musk. And it's, you know, it's generating a lot of views. I guess he's making a bit of money like X pay uh, creators now. I got I got my first payment from Twitter the other day for thirty five dollars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can finally afford to subscribe to Russell Brand's Rumble. Um, or maybe get a, uh, a Holly Valance cameo <laughs> sent through to me. Um, yeah, I don't, it's a weird time, isn't it? Like for journalists who used to work for networks. I wrote a, um, uh, a Twitter thread about this this morning. Um, such was my, uh, my fatigue and uh, delirium. I was like, 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 whenever my daughter wakes me up early, I'm just like, I got to do something. I got to do something to pass the time from like 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. Like, depending on how early she wakes up, usually it's five. And then from five until seven, when all of the chaos starts, I'm like, I've got to do something like edit or write or, you know, write a thread or so. Anyway, today's thread was about uh, Piers Morgan. Um, he works for Talk TV. I and mean, I can touch on that in a second. But um I'm focused primarily like thinking about Tucker Carlson because Tucker Carlson worked for Fox News, right? Murdoch. And they fired him as part of the settlement with the vote counting company. I forget what their name is now. It's like a billion dollar lawsuit and they had to get rid of Tucker Carlson. And now he's out there independent doing stuff on X. And although I'm not a fan of him, I think he is sort of a testimonial. He's evidence that we are now in this era of the independent journalist, you know? And up until now, that phrase has sort of meant people like, what, like Tim Pool, And uh, who's the uh, Russian girl talks a lot about Ukraine? I forget now. Um, and then it, it, there's a lot of Ukrainian journalists that, uh, that come on and talk about Ukraine and uh, 
and, and, and they all sort of inhabit that or have inhabited that independent journalist space. And now where we are is we're in this sort of new world of former network anchors almost also jumping into the independence area. And Tucker Carlson is the most immediate example because of this like Putin interview that's just uh, blown up. He pipped the networks to the post. There's a lot of commentary going around saying, you know what, like for all of the criticism that CNN and MSNBC and all of these other people are tabling at Tucker Carlson, don't go and talk to Putin. Oh, that's disgusting. All of these other networks have also tried to negotiate interviews with Vladimir Putin. So there is an element of hypocrisy to it. But... You have a Tucker Carlson who's ex-Fox News. Then you have Piers Morgan, who is now, like, he's he's been on talk TV for the last, what, two, three years doing his nighttime debate thing show, right? Now, he's stepping back from broadcast television, and he will just move his show onto YouTube, although it is, as I understand, it's still going to be uh, talk TV branded. But I do think it's interesting, isn't it, that we're living in this time now where people no longer need to rely on the strength and the, the balls and the advertising budgets of these huge networks. They can just move online. Russell Brand is as much a, uh, evidence of this as, as anyone else. Like, he used to be on the mainstream TV networks and, you know, he hosted his own thing in the US on MTV, I think, and... He was booked on panel shows over here and he did the end of year Christmas quiz with Jimmy Carr. And now he's moved all of his stuff on to YouTube and he's more successful than ever. Somebody, uh, some might say. And it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I would have thought historically, and this is sort of the point of my thread this morning. I would have thought historically people who step back from network broadcasts and move on to online, like streaming, like YouTube. I would have thought that they would be seen as taking it. That is a step down. Like if you looked at Mark Steen, who used to be on GB News before he started spouting all that vaccine stuff. <laughs> he got kicked off of GB News because they basically said to him, OK, you can keep your job here. You can carry on doing your show, but... You have to pay the fines from Ofcom for the nonsense that you're saying. And at that point, he was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so he moved on to YouTube where he can't be regulated in the same way. It's outside of Ofcom's reach. Um, now, when that happened, I looked at it like Mark Steen, that is a step down. That's a humiliating, you know, he's being diluted. He's being pushed backwards. Um but it's interesting now, isn't it? Because now we've got Tucker Carlson moving off of network television onto just Twitter, which, again, feels like a step down. And yet here he is with an interview with Vladimir Putin. Then you've got Piers Morgan, who's stepping off of talk TV, traditional uh, linear broadcasting. It should feel like a step down. And yet I wonder if he'll be more successful on talk TV's YouTube channel. Don't know, it's an interesting time, isn't it? Because the flip side of this is that I've always looked at like doing my own show on YouTube as like kind of cool and independent and a little bit punk rock, you know? And it's not so shameful or humiliating for me to do it on here, because who the fuck am I, firstly? But secondly, I've taken it from nothing to <laughs> the, <laughs> the very sort of very modest heights of... Uh, what what are we on now? Is it four thousand or I can't even remember what the the follower count is now. Um, but to go from nothing to that is actually quite cool, and to have it independent and for it to be your thing with no industry backing feels quite cool, I think. But to go from this down to that, has, that would feel like like the example I wheeled out on the thread this morning was like, you know, it's a bit like if you are a punk rock band, or if you are a you know up-and-coming uh, rapper or something if you're signed to an independent label right and you're doing the festival circuit and you're playing places like Not Notting Hill Arts Centre 
and um you know maybe supporting someone at brixton academy or so you know if it's that if that's the sort of level that you're at and you're in an independent punk rock label everyone's like that's cool oh, i like them yeah they're they're the underdog i'll root for them right but if you're like blink 182 uh or the offspring or someone or like if, you, if it's a rapper if you're like you know eminem or dr Dre, maybe they're too big really but like you know a sort of a counterpart and then you get dropped by Sony or Interscope or whoever the big label is. You get kicked out of that. And then you have to sign with a smaller label who don't have the budgets, don't have the reach. You're no longer playing the festival circuit. You've just played blah, blah, blah. You know, if you've been kicked back down to that level, there's a humiliation to that. Like That's what it's always felt like when somebody like Chris Cuomo from CNN gets sacked from CNN and then goes back down to the podcast circuit. I'm always like, you should have started your own thing. You should have done your own podcast like two, three, four years ago, and it would have built up in tandem with the CNN shit. Now you've got nothing. Now you go back down to the uh, podcast world. It's like, it looks bad. It looks like you've been kicked. Anyway, so I don't know. I, I think it's a really interesting time that we're living in where possibly through the advent of on-demand, you know, or pretty, almost certainly because of that, uh, possibly because we now have so infinitely more sources for our news, for entertainment, for parlotainment, um, but also through this sort of growing disillusionment with traditional media, you know, through a mix of all of those different things, people are now making the jump into the independence world. And although I hate Tucker Carlson, he's got such a punchable. I was looking at his face the other day. His face, his cheek all around here is just so squishy, but so like bulgy. He's got that sort of frog neck white guy thing going. On. It looks like you could pop him. You could just like pull out a knitting needle and just go pop like that. You get sprayed like the thing from Jurassic Park, just sprayed like that all over you. Pop. Um, even though I'm not a big Tucker Carlson fan by, by a long stretch, uh, I do think there's something exciting about leaving the networks behind. Although, do you know what? I, I am somewhat disappointed because I always imagined, as I'm sure many do, that when they work for Fox News, that they are to some extent forced to broadcast along the lines of the editorial line. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you work for Rupert Murdoch, you work for Fox News, you can't just report what you like. You have to sort of basically stay loosely on the narrative that they want you to. And that will be things that attract eyeballs to the station. So election denial, Trump is amazing, uh, the Democrats are all blue heads, social justice warriors, uh, trans rights, um, the Democrats are all uh, paedophile worshipping, child groomers, and all of that stuff, right? Um, and I imagined, or I hoped, that when Tucker Carlson left Fox News and started up his own thing, he might actually show himself to be a little bit more of a centre ground kind of fair guy. Um, but I don't think I've seen any evidence of that. <laughs> whatsoever if anything he's got worse um anyway guys let's do the tap dancing tosser award shall we for this week who do you think the nominees are people who do you think the nominees for this week's tap dancing tosser award are we could easily give it to holly valance that much would be obvious wouldn't it she certainly performed her own cretiny to the standard that we expect for a tap dancing tosser award uh, recipient um, left's ideas are just crap. Tap, 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 tap. With a little cane and a bow tie and a top hat. Go on, Holly. Well done. Well done, girl. Um, Holly Valance absolutely could be a recipient. Uh, it's not Holly Valance. It is this week. We need a fanfare or something here, don't we? Um, da -da 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 -da! There you go. Uh, it's Rishi Sunak. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. Can you take a wild stab in the dark? Guess why? He, so he's, there's two things this week. Firstly, the aforementioned print, uh, Piers Morgan 
uh, shook his hand and some say cajoled, some say forced him into... Nobody forces a prime minister to do anything, OK? He is sat there as prime minister, as leader of the United Kingdom on the world stage. And you're going to tell me that Piers Morgan, another guy with a very puncturable <laughs> neck, you could pop... Um, uh, you're going to tell me that Piers Morgan pressured him into doing the handshake? Really? The British Prime Minister. Like, what does that say about the British Prime Minister if he can be cajoled by just a, a TV face? You know? By a Piers Morgan could just force him out of social awkwardness. Rishi Sunak would I don't want it to be awkward. Okay. You know? Um, so he shook Piers Morgan's hand and made a callous bet uh, that the lives of asylum seekers would be irreparably ruined, you know, by shipping them off to Rwanda with no recourse, no way of getting back to this third world country where refugees have just vanished. You know, we've talked about this a lot before, I know. Uh, so he did that bet, a callous, sociopathic bet on Piers Morgan's show. Then <laughs> he really peaked by cracking his transphobic joke at PMQs while the mother of a murdered trans teenager was in the gallery observing. And then when afforded the opportunity to apologize, refused to apologize. Um, so yeah, I don't want to get too deep into this this time, guys. I think we all know exactly who and what Rishi Sunak is. So Rishi Sunak, take a bow, lad. You are this week's tap dancing tosser. Um, guys, that's it for this one. Um, I hope this has been interesting and stimulating in some capacity. I feel, I feel like I've been a little bit less prepped maybe than I should have been. Uh, this week. Um, if you have enjoyed it, though, do consider liking, subscribing, joining even the YouTube community. If you go to uh, my profile, you can see a little join button there. You can join up. Um, I think we're up to five members on there now. Uh, on Patreon, it's a lot more popular. There's about 25, 27 maybe over on Patreon. So if that's your bag, if you're more comfortable with Patreon, go over to that. Uh, there's links to both in the description below. I'll be back every day again next week with an alternative paper review. I do one of those every morning where I sort of snarkily, cynically react to the right wing tabloids. Um, I am going to try and do a punk politics again sometime soon. Uh, but as I mentioned before, they take a lot of editing, man. It's a lot of writing, editing. Uh, it's just it's just a lot, guys. It's just a lot when you've got two kids and an angry girlfriend and a full time job. And uh, so, yeah, they take a while. Uh, to put together. I, I wrote a thing on Patreon the other day, other day that for every 20 minute episode of Punk Politics that is basically three entire days, like 12 hour days of writing <laughs> editing and re-editing and oh, it's just endless man it's so arduous and I was saying on the Patreon note that I published, it's out to everyone actually, anyone could go read it um, I was saying, you know, it's it's also there's a hit on the family then because I'm editing. I'm really deep in the zone when I'm working on it and I'm like shooing my kids away and stuff. And it feels I feel bad about doing that stuff. So um, I've got to be a little bit measured about putting those ones out. Um, anyway, look, that's it from me. I hope this has been uh, uh, passable. Uh, I'll see you guys next week uh, for another guested show, another uh, solo show. And until next time, keep yourselves booge. Keep yourself influencer. And uh, I'm out this motherfucker.